0: I find that the people who are drawn to these tools the most are people who really believe wholeheartedly that they're here for a larger capital S, capital P, soul's purpose. But I find that these tools help them just start to begin to like put the pieces of the puzzle back together. And again, your purpose doesn't have to do with your career, but just meaning like, why am I here? And I feel like I'm here for something like bigger than maybe what I've been shown but i feel most humans were here to like expand and, and to evolve and to understand ourselves Hello, my baddies. It's your girl, Maddie Murphy. And yes, I am technically on vacation. Oh, yes, yeah, somewhere I am. Hopefully, drinking something chilled with a good book, soaking up the sun, just living that chill AF life. But while I'm on vacation, I wanted to leave you a few little treats, some snacks, some nibbles to hold you over until I return. And today is one of those treats. A few months ago, I had the privilege, the pleasure of joining our friends over at Well and Good on their podcast to talk about personality tests, one of our favorite things. We love a personality test around here. And in this episode, I got to chat a little bit about why I love astrology so much, why I love it as a tool to help us understand who we are. And also to understand like things like our purpose, our love language, like why does this make us click? Why does it speak to me so much? And you can enjoy this little teaser here, but definitely head over if you want to hear the whole episode. Uh, I was joined by Chris Soto, professor of psychology at Colby College and human design expert, Jenna Zoe, who I think a lot of you know. Just these people who spend their lives, their livelihoods, helping us understand ourselves better. You know, we live for this around here. And speaking of knowing yourselves better and speaking of all things cosmic, if you're missing me, of course, how could you not? If you're missing just your mystical energy reports, tuning in, connecting on the cosmic level, come on over, join us on the Cosmic RX platform. We have amazing conversations going on there, deep connections. We have our live ceremonies and calls. And I'm still checking in on there during my break. So if you have something you're just itching to tell me or share with me, come on over there. Let's hang out. All right. So without further ado, please enjoy this excerpt of your girl chatting about astrology on the Well and Good podcast. Enjoy. I hope you're having an amazing time and I can't wait to be back with you again.
1: We love personality tests learning our love language, the nuances of our astrological sun, moon, and rising signs. And today, we're examining why. Why are we so drawn to discovering ourselves deeper? You probably have done a personality test of some kind, but have you had your birth chart read? Or even taken the time to understand your human design type? I'm senior producer Taylor Camille and host of today's episode, where we'll try to better understand our desire to learn more about ourselves. We'll talk to several experts to learn the ways that they see people exploring themselves and take a closer look at the tools we can use to help us understand how we show up and relate to others in our everyday lives.
2: I think the bottom line is that we're naturally curious about ourselves.
1: That's Chris Soto, a professor of psychology at Colby College and the director of the Colby Personality Lab.
2: I study personality traits and personality skills, so how people's specific habits of thinking, feeling, and behaving cohere into broader patterns that we call personality traits. I study personality development, so whether, how, and why people's personalities change over time. Um, I study personality outcomes, so if we know something about someone's personality today, can we predict what their life is going to be like for the next few years or decades? And I study personality assessment, so how we can measure all that stuff.
1: So why do you think we are so drawn to explore these assessments and all these other external forces that kind of help us get a better picture of who we are and what we're like?
2: We want to figure out what we're like as people and how we're different or similar to other people. Um, I think you can break that down into three basic psychological motivations that lead people to personality tests, and other kinds of assessments. So one of those motivations is Mm self-verification. So we all have beliefs about what we're like as a person, what our personality is like, and it feels good to have those beliefs validated, to have them confirmed. So if I have a belief, I take a personality test, it gives me feedback that confirms that belief. That feels good. It feels good to be accurate in my knowledge of myself. A second potential motivation is self-enhancement. So, in general it feels good to say good things about yourself and a personality test can be one venue for doing that and then the third possibility is self discovery you know we do like to learn new things about ourselves and personality tests can be one way to do that either by pointing out something new that we just hadn't realized about ourselves or by giving us more of a framework and a language for talking about a part of our personality that we already kind of knew but we really didn't quite have the words for it.
1: So we know there's a lot of different self-assessments out there, but we wanted to know more about the go-to framework for scholars and for scientists when it comes to evaluating the nuances of our personalities.
2: The dominant framework for a scientifically studying personality is called the Big Five Personality Traits. First up, there's extroversion, which is the extent to which someone is talkative, assertive, and energetic rather than being more socially and emotionally reserved. Second is agreeableness, which is how much compassion, respect, and trust someone tends to feel towards other people, rather than being more blunt, argumentative, and suspicious of others. Mm -hmm. The third trait is conscientiousness, which is the extent to which someone tends to be organized, hardworking, and responsible, as opposed to being disorganized and maybe a bit lazy. Fourth is neuroticism, which is how prone someone is to experiencing negative emotions like anxiety, sadness, and anger, as opposed to being more calm and emotionally stable. And last is openness to experience, which is how much someone tends to seek out and create new ideas and new experiences rather than sticking with more um, familiar and conventional ones. So that's the basic framework Uh, There are a number of good personality assessments out there that are based in the Big Five. Um, One specific personality test that I've helped create and validate is called the Big Five Inventory 2 or BFI 2, uh, but there are certainly other good ones out there as well.
1: And so how does something like the Big Five compare to our astrology or our Enneagram or our human design or our five love languages or any of the other things that people kind of do themselves and click around on the internet and find?
2: Yeah, so I'd say there are two major advantages of the Big Five over other models that are out there. And Mm -hmm. these are the main reasons why scientists tend to like them. The first one is that The big five come naturally out of how people use everyday language to describe their own personality and the personality of other people that they know. Um, So there's this extensive body of scientific literature called psycholexical research, uh, which means basically going through dictionaries, pulling out like the 500 or so uh, adjectives that are most commonly used to describe people's personalities have people rate themselves and other people using those personality descriptive adjectives, using statistical analyses to see how the adjectives uh, align with each other. And if you do that in a number of different languages around the world, you get versions of the big five. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's suggesting that these are pretty fundamental things that generalize across cultures and emerge naturally from people's language. And then the second big advantage of the big five is... Once that model was established over the course of the 1980s and into the early 1990s, and scientists started to use it, they found that the model worked very well. that basically a lot of other personality tests that were out there that were older could all be reconceptualized in terms of the big five. Mm -hmm. And that new measures of the big five, if someone fills them out now, uh, what they say on a personality test that measures the big five relates with their everyday behavior relates with their life outcomes, predicts their interests and all kinds of other things about their social lives, their work lives.
1: So we have these personality traits, but are we born with them? Are we predestined to act and behave a certain way? Or is our personality shaped by our lived experiences?
2: There's a lot of research on this and it's clearly a bit of both. So Mm -hmm. on the one hand, we do partly inherit our personality traits and We know that because of decades of research into what's called behavioral genetics. So this is research where you recruit participants who are more or less genetically related to each other. So for example, you might have some pairs of identical twins who share all their genes, Mm -hmm. and you have other pairs of fraternal twins or ordinary biological siblings who share half their genes. And then you also have adoptive siblings who are raised in the same household but don't share any of their genetic material. And then you measure people's personality traits and see how similar they are to each other. And these kinds of behavioral genetics studies consistently find that people who are more genetically related to each other do tend to have more similar personalities. Um, that's true for all the big five, as well as many other psychological characteristics as well. So yeah. clearly, our personalities are in part inherited. Um, But we also know that's not the whole story for a few reasons. One is from those same behavioral genetic studies, because if genes were the whole story, if our personalities were entirely determined by our genes, then identical twins would have identical personalities because they have the same genes. If you know some identical twins, you know, they tend to have similar personalities, but definitely not identical. So there must be something about unique experiences that are leading uh, twins to have different personalities. Um, And then the second way that we know that is because personality traits are not perfectly stable over time. So if you measure someone's personality now, you wait 10 years and measure it again, there's probably going to be some similarity uh, over that time period, but you're also probably going to see some changes. So I think the most important take-home points from the research on personality traits is, first of all, that there is some accuracy to it, that you can measure personality traits, that people do generally have pretty accurate impressions of what their personalities are like, that they agree with uh, what other people say about their personalities. A second key thing is that personality traits can and do change over time. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that's easy. But in general, most people become more agreeable, more conscientious, more emotionally stable over the course of adulthood. So that's good news. It's it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, but most of us are going to change for the better over the next 20 years.
1: So we know what parts of our personality are backed by science, but it's hard not to be curious about other models that help us learn more about who we are, like our astrology chart. For that, we turn to Maddie Murphy.
0: My name is Maddie Murphy, and I just kind of wrap up everything I do under the job title Cosmic Consultant. I use astrology and coaching and psychology and intuitive work all together to help people just tap into their best versions of themselves. I also help people with their businesses. So it's anything that you want to just tune into some higher guidance on, I'm your girl.
1: For you, when would you say you were first drawn to astrology? And Mm -hmm. then also, like when were you drawn to kind of explore more external forces that tell us about ourselves. When I was younger,
0: I loved astrology. You know, uh, my aunt was a very just like devout, you know, spiritual, cool explorer of the world. And she had studied with a numerology expert in California. And she would always do like my numbers and my tarot cards and my astrology for the year. But I just was really in awe of it. And I think as someone who's always had a little bit of a hard time like, understanding how to identify myself, um, not really resonating with a lot of the, like, traditional identities I grew up with. Of like, I'm an athlete. I'm not, like, you know, I not want yeah. to be a lawyer. I was like, yeah. I don't get, like who I am feels so complex. And so when she would say things to me, I felt very validated. Like, okay, she really sees me. So I would go into the new age bookstore in my town and just like sit for hours and like, you know, buy my, use my babysitting money to buy little spell candles. And I'd read all the books in there and the birthday book and, you know, all of those like cool older astrology books. Um, Jan Stevens, the only astrology book you'll ever need. And Linda Goodman, Sun Signs. And I was really into it. And I had this, like, I would know, tell people at school about their sun signs, but then just like anything, I was like, okay, now time to grow up and like be cool and be in the world. And, um, you know, then I came back to astrology after my Saturn return imploded my life. And I had just standing there, like a wedding called off, no money, no job. I got rid of my apartment. My parents were getting separated. And I was like... I kind of, I I don't know what's going on. And I kind of reached for those same tools just to kind of get context. I was like, who cares? Even if this is like made up, it's better than like nothing right now. And then someone I knew just printed me out a free report on like some free astrology website. My sister did. And she was like trying to remind me of who I was. And she knew I had been interested in astrology when I was younger. And when I read the report, then as an adult, you know, now my like 28, 29, I was like, oh, this is like really on point for me. And it was really like my moon sign that really stood out to me of like, oh yeah, that's helping me connect so many dots. Because It was a lot of information to absorb, but the moon sign stood out to me. But my third point was really was like the turning back point. know looking back, I went full all into astrology, um, was in 2016. I had met um, now my dear friend, like Colin Bedell of Queer Cosmos, and we got linked up and the way he talked about astrology and how he wove in everything, like the political um, social justice element, but also the like secular world of self-growth and empowerment and therapy. And I was like, wow, you're just like weaving this so beautifully. And he said something about my own chart, about what I'm supposed to be doing with my career. That was exactly what I've been thinking about, but I was too nervous to say out loud. And I felt like I just, who am I to do this? I'm not ready. I, I'm making a big change. It was really scary and he just read me. And that was like, I kind of never went back. I put all bets on that astrology reading. And so those three moments, it was like learning as a kid is one thing. And then you learn a little bit of to understand yourself when you're going through a hard time. And then I feel like there's like the third level of learning astrology when you're like, no, I will literally just make huge life decisions based on this because it's so (laughs) affirming and it's giving me this information that I needed in such like black and white terms. And it's like a permission slip from the planets to now just go be myself in in my fullest, like expansive, enhanced self. So yeah, yeah, that was my journey with astrology of the three like memories are really stand out to me.
1: And here's why she thinks so many of us are drawn to the stars.
0: I find that the people who are drawn to these tools the most are people who really believe wholeheartedly that they're here for a larger capital S capital P soul's purpose. But I find that these tools help them just start to begin to like put the pieces of the puzzle back together. And again, your purpose doesn't have to do with your career, but just meaning like, why am I here? And I feel like I'm here for something like bigger than maybe what I've been shown, but I feel most humans were here to like expand and and to evolve and to understand ourselves. And these tools, there's something like, even I do intuitive card readings. I love like my, my psychic work, but truly like astrology is what I lean on because it's one thing to sit with someone and have them tell you something, I'm like, okay, okay. But there's another thing just to look at a black and white in a chart, in a reading, even from like, again, like that automatic reading I got from the website. was like, how is this so accurate and so down to the little detail, like things that I've never yeah. said out loud or didn't know how to? So it's something, again, it's very validating. It helps in the self-actualization and helps you understand like, putting together your unique roadmap, your unique treasure map of how you get to embody your purpose, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're here for something that's not like cookie cutter, right? My <laughs> approach to astrology is very, um, it's definitely intuitive. Like I let the chart, uh, I always like the chart is like going into a huge closet of cookbooks and every cookbook contains Dozens and hundreds of recipes, maybe. So there's a lot going on in someone's chart. So I definitely like usually hear about what they want to learn about themselves and, you know, where they want to go. Or what If anything they have coming up that feels sticky, like an obstacle or a pattern they want to get out of. And then I just sort of meditate on their chart and it almost like lights up for me. It's like, what's the significant thing happening there? Um, and one of my teachers, Sam Reynolds, he's not really an intuitive astrologer, but he admitted, he's like, how you read someone's chart has to be kind of intuitive because it's like, you just have to kind of see like what pops out, like a magic eye, because there's mm-hmm. so much to dig into. And then... um, I always like to look at what's happening in someone's chart, what what has been the last like year or two like in their chart um, to help me understand like the moment they're in and give it some context and give it them some understanding of me why they've been through some of the things they've been through. Mm-hmm. And then I always begin, like the beginning of their chart, zooming out to their north node, which is anyone listening, um, finding out the sign of your north node and the house that it's in is huge your north node is about like your again higher soul's purpose what your soul is here to do the path that it's on and it may not have anything to do with what you think like how you're living your life how you're showing up for your relationships how you're showing up for yourself growth for your work mm-hmm. for your art and it, it's like a GPS. It's like, okay, this is where I'm going. So if I know that's my higher soul's purpose, then I can use that as kind of a, a barometer for decision-making, which I think is one of the hardest things as being a human is trusting ourselves and like, is this the right path? Is this the right choice? Mm-hmm. So North Node is like, for me, I always look to someone's that that's like, helps me understand the big, big why, because I love evolutionary shamanic astrology. I'm like, why are we here? Right. Like I won't get into the big stuff. And then just like anyone listening to this, then I go into the rest of the parts, their personal planets and what's happening and and what are their tools and obstacles and opportunities to sort of like how they're going to live in that North node. But definitely the North node is, as I say, like (laughs) everyone listening, like read it, read what house it's in, see where it's near any other planets in your chart. And I think you'll have some aha moments.
1: Aside from astrology, has there been any other assessments that you felt like illuminated parts of your life that showed you different parts of yourself that you didn't get in astrology?
0: Oh, absolutely. I am a sucker for self assessment (laughs) tools. I'm like, give it to me, give me more. Um, I think that, definitely human design. In fact, I kind of found human design after three years of studying astrology. I was like, I should have learned that too. And I literally heard this voice inside me like, no, too much, Maddie. Like you don't have to go full all in professional on everything you do. Like read <laughs> your it, chart, let, it, let someone else let do that go. because like, these are two very big spaces to that be like so in your brain. Funny. And but luckily that's true because astrology, you know, I've been studying it for like five years, six years, and it still keeps me on my toes where I'm like, I know nothing. Um, (laughs) So human design, especially, again, like, it really helped me, human design, in my career, in my Mm. leadership of running my company, of understanding the larger, again, bigger plan that I'm involved in in my life. Um, Yeah, human design was really huge. And then I love all the stuff, you know, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs. I actually really love numerology,
1: Mm. Like doing like your
0: life path number. So yeah, but definitely human design, 100%. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes all of my astrology info for the month ahead and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to the CosmicRx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.